This is the Midlife Mischief Club podcast with John and Alvin. Hey guys, John here. I can't wait for you to hear our conversation with Sabine Herson, who recently spent two years sailing around the world with her brother Louis. Sabine is a musician playing the viola and violin, and before her journey was an elementary school principal in Napa, California. As you'll hear, this was an epic adventure, and we decided to post this conversation in two parts. Here's episode one. We hope you enjoy it. I had the opportunity to meet you on a sail. On a a boat. And yes, our friend uh, Amy introduced us, and then I just learned that you just happened to be someone who not long ago finished a two-year sail around the world. That's right. And... um, we're keen to learn more about this two-year sale. Mm-hmm. Well, where to begin? Yeah. <laughs> I suppose begin at the beginning. Um, well, first of all, I've, I've been sailing, not obviously, but I have been sailing all my life, born in Ireland, as you can probably hear, um, which is a small island and the ocean is never very far away. And um, family on both maternal and paternal sides have sailed forever and ever and ever and ever and mostly sort of cruising style boats um but i and actually my brother who um sailed around the world with me um my brother and i started a little bit with um dinghy smaller smaller boats and i really loved that because it doesn't take quite so long to get out there's not so much responsibility you can do it by yourself or just two of you um, it's sporty. It, it's I really fun. Sailing. Yeah, it's fast, and there was racing, and there weren't that many women doing it. So I, te- you know, often could win the women's race. Yeah, right. You know? yeah. So that was kind of a, a bonus. Hmm. Um, and we lived when I grew up. Um, we lived in a gorgeous little sort of Victorian um, seaside side village mm-hmm. um, south of. Dublin in the county of Wicklow, right, a beautiful big long beach and they had this rinky-dink sailing club Um, and we used to rent and in the end actually my father and I built a mirror which is an 11 foot uh, wooden little sort of dinghy boat sort of thing with red sails. I mean you see them all over um, England and Ireland, you don't see them quite so much here, Um, sort of like a, a precursor to a laser you know what I mean by a laser? I think yeah, you see that's what I grew up sailing. Yeah. No, John safe. grew up sailing. Oh, so we've got so three right. different sailors. Just, just small, smaller smaller boats. I'm not a, a great sailor, but I, I really do enjoy being out on the water, okay. for sure. Yeah. You don't need to be great. You just need mm. to have fun. And be safe, yeah. obviously. That's yeah, yeah. very important also. In fact, talking of safety, my brother and I, and this is something that has stuck with me because it was such a near miss. Um, my our family had a uh, still has a summer house on the west coast of Ireland. We the the, the winter house is on the um, east coast in the Dublin kind of area. Um, anyway, we have a laser out there, and my brother and I, who were the ones who loved to sail, we have a sister also in the middle. He's the youngest, I'm the eldest. Um, decided we go sailing on the laser. And I don't know if you know much about sailing in Ireland, but it's similar to the bay here. It's is it? always. Fast and furious um, and rocks and waves and sandbanks and squalls and all of that. And currents, that's the big thing. Anyway, off we go uh, sailing. And we're both pretty experienced sailors, 
but for some reason we had neglected to put life jackets on. Oh no. And there we were, we, nobody was watching us and it, there's nobody anywhere. There's nobody on the water because they probably looked at the weather forecast, which we hadn't done, <laughs> uh, you know, and we giggled, but it's not really, oh, you know, not a good thing to do. And anyway, one thing led to another. Lasers tend to capsize fairly easily. And oh, there was a big squall came in. It capsized and I was on my way out to sea. And oh my, my brother God. put his hand out and grabbed my foot. And if he had not done that, I would probably not be sitting here today. Holy cow. Um, it was a really very, and we got such a fright. We went straight in and we said, okay, lesson learned. Yeah. <laughs> very lucky. There, there's some daredevil in you to go, you know, out to go around the world. Was there, was there the, that daredevil devil part of you like always? Uh, probably, yes. Um, I, I, think it's probably, <laughs> I think it's a family trait. Um, you know, my grandfather used to, I forget what you call it, um, but he used to race race cars sort of on dirt tracks mm. with no helmets and no nothing, no seatbelts, nothing. And I think I, you call that crazy. Yeah, yeah, well, he was yeah. completely <laughs> crazy and he, he was a, an amazing sailor. But in fact, God, there's so many stories. But um, when I was probably just about to leave school, um, high school that is, um, I went on a trip with my grandfather. I lo adored my mm. grandfather and a sailing trip. And we sailed, um, we were on the west coast of Ireland and we were going to go around the bottom of Ireland and then up through, there's a river that goes through the centre of Ireland called the Shannon River, which is quite a wide river and you right. can sail up there. And we were not on a very big boat. It was probably, I don't remember exactly, maybe 42 foot boat. That was his boat. And um, we set sail on the appointed, or we set out from the land on the appointed day. And we both love crab. So we had a big bag of fresh nice. crab with us to eat. And um, my grandmother drove us there. And she was the only one who was there. And the first thing was he said, oh, darn it, I forgot to bring the charts. But not to worry, I have roadmaps. So we, we were with roadmaps. Of course, I'm, I didn't, you know, I sure. trusted him implicitly. And... Um, then we get on the dinghy to to row out to the boat, which is going up and down on these massive waves, and the dinghy starts losing air. So he's rowing and I'm pumping it with air. He's rowing, oh. you know, this should have been a red flag, but oh, not boy. at all. This was exciting to me. So anyway, we, we set sail and we did get to our destination, but, and we sailed day and night without charts. And he would send me up to the bow and say, listen, really carefully and if you hear some rough water then you know there are probably rocks there let me know <laughs> so yikes was, so speaking of daredevil again i shouldn't be laughing because one should never do that mm. and when my father found out afterwards he was very angry and even though he's a daredevil himself he was pretty angry but anyway having said all of that my brother is not at all like that he's very organized mm. very safely safety conscious and there was always briefings and we did nothing without making sure that all of the weather was aligned and the currents and everything. Um, I want to ask some basic factual things. Okay. How big was the crew? Um, okay. So the core crew were three of us. So myself, my brother, and we had a, a paid, a paid, well, he sometimes was a skipper, sometimes a first mate. It depended on which leg of the trip. Um, and so there were three of that, three of us always there. Yeah. Then my nephew, uh, Louis, my brother Louis's um, son, 
joined us and he was 15 and he joined us for 10 months. So, so then now there were four of us in the core crew. Wow. And then um, we'd have people cycle in and out. Right. For, I guess the total number though, I'm, uh, I want to so what, um, Six was our really our maximum with a couple of exceptions. When, when my kids joined us, we had a few more. Mm. I think there were seven of us then, or maybe eight even. And then when we did racing, we would have people come on board and for a little what, bit. What's the length of this oyster boat? 65 feet, 20 60, meters. I see. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it, I think it's interesting to know that this is a, there are blue water boats mm -hmm. and there are not blue water boats. And this is, this is ready to go. Absolutely. Luxury blue water, water mm -hmm. cruiser. That's what they advertise. Very, very interesting. Like. And it is, most beautiful British craftsmanship. It's just, it's luxurious. Wood. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. Everything is, and the galley, beautifully designed um, for, for aesthetically and also for for using. For, Efficiency you know, pra and practicality. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And the one sort of positive and negative in one package is um, because it's luxury, there are a huge amount of systems on board uh -huh. to make it comfortable. And of course, systems everything go, from, yeah. can go wrong, especially when you're bouncing around the world, sure. uh, you know. Uh, and, and I don't think the average yeah. person realizes that th these boats are, it's common for them even to make water from salt water, oh, totally. potable water. Oh. Absolutely, you have to, you have to have that. It, yeah. yeah, water maker, and those can break, and they did on our boat. Oh, yes, no. <laughs> but um, my brother is a, a spectacular engineer, mm. so that helps. Also, we've all sailed all our lives, so that that helps. Um, and the what the 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 longest leg was across the Pacific, the South Pacific, mm. um, and that was um, three weeks at sea, seeing absolutely nothing. And I mean, sometimes we saw other boats. But not so. Not this often. is fascinating. This is a passage on the largest ocean in the world, the Pacific. The largest geographical feature on this of planet world, of yeah. Earth, of yes, Earth. Yeah. largest body of yeah. anything on the yeah, Earth. Exactly. And you saw. I'm imagining for three weeks, no, no, no land. No land. Mm -hmm. See, that, I, I can't even imagine. It's heaven. Uh, it's, I mean, it <laughs> it's must. It's not everybody's heaven, but it's certainly my heaven. Well, and and uh. how how do you? Um, how do you sort of prepare for that or, or how, you know, when you're surrounded by four walls or even, mm. uh, you know, just your, your town or city and cars and, and everything to go out into, um, into the nothingness, yes. in, into the void almost, yeah. where uh, really it's, it's you, your ship, your crew, of course, mm -hmm. and the water. Right. And there's nothing. And as you said, maybe no land for weeks at a yeah, time. Yeah. And wow. we did that multiple. I mean, there were multiple sure. passages of that. That just happened to be the longest one. But, you know, it isn't for everybody, obviously. And there's there's a number of preparations you can make. I mean, first of all, or uh, this is in no particular order, mm. but it's really important that the crew get along. So picking the crew for a long passage is is very important oh yeah and uh louis my brother spent put a lot of effort into that yeah i've heard stories of world travelers actually stopping off to drop off a passenger because yeah. they've had it with that person yeah <laughs> Isn't that interesting? yes yeah. yeah well and we i would say we had two tricky moments in terms of personnel um and one of them 
I, I don't really know that the, the chap was very unhappy. And yeah. so he just spent a lot of time in his cabin. Yeah. Um, and that was, it was a little uncomfortable for all of us, but obviously it was very uncomfortable for him. And then another chap who had never sailed in his life before and was sort of at our kind of age looking for something interesting to do sure. um, and did some, some sailing courses uh, prior um, and decided he'd try this out and it just was not for him. He learned that he is a land lover. Yeah. And so he, there was no bad feelings or anything. He just left It early. just wasn't for yeah, him. Yeah, it just was yeah. not, not for him at all. Um, and he really tried hard. He really did. So, um, but apart from that, I think everybody who came had done some sailing. Uh, but the other thing in terms of preparation from my brother and my point of view yeah. was we sailed across the Atlantic um, in 2017 and um so that was kind of like the trial run to see gotcha. if we yeah. kind of like this i mean we weren't planning the round the world at that point but we knew that we enjoyed doing it and how yeah. how long did that journey take so that was uh, 15 days okay so reasonable yes you know, oh yeah a reasonable yeah, yeah, journey yeah. but still yeah and it can be we were very lucky again yeah. because we just have we had great navigators and we the other thing we always had which I think if anybody is planning on doing this I highly recommend it is we always had somebody on land who was following us all the time who knows about navigation and weather and all that sort of stuff and he could advise us mm. you know I'm sick because he had you know if you're on land your equipment that is more so sensitive sure. yeah, sense, right. yeah and so he would say he would you know advise us maybe stay in port for another two days. I'm seeing a weather system out there or whatever. Or, yeah. yeah, things like that. Houston, and, what does it look like? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Wow. There you go. Yeah. And you had many roles, of course. Um, you were uh, not only a sailor, like t taking night shifts like everybody, uh -huh. uh, which is an interesting question right there, like uh -huh. what it's like to be in the middle of the ocean for hours with no light. <laughs> and then also, I'm um, curious to know, um, I mean, you were you were a, a boat chef, uh -huh. and um, what are what are some uh, some things? What are the different roles that, that you I had? had yeah, boat? and we all had lots of roles because you know there were often only three of us, sometimes four, sometimes five, and five was four and five was what was mostly. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah. So I was the medical officer, which was a little frightening, actually, to tell you the truth. But yeah. you know, we there were lots of courses we had to do ahead of time, so every single one of us had to do the next step up from CPR, which is called first responder, first provider, first provider. Um, I think it's called different things in different countries. So we all had to do that. And I did mine in San Diego and at the Maritime Institute. And when I'd finished it, I, I was even more terrified because I learned what I don't know. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and what I might have to do not knowing. Other thing we did, which again, is very expensive, but I think vital. Um, and that is we signed up for an organization called MSOS, which is Medical Services Offshore. Hmm. That's what it's called. Uh, it's out of England. And um, they give you 24 hour, wherever you are, because we have a satellite phone on board, a right. uh, 24 hour, you can talk to a doctor. In England, doesn't matter oh, wow. when they are, but you can talk to a doctor 24, 20, 24 7. That's, that's great. Yeah, yeah really that's actually amazing. really cool. It is really cool. And along with it comes a kit um, 
with everything is color coded and numbered. Mm. So the doctor and we've had to we had to do this would say go to you know the the, the big um, day crawl. blue seven yes. yeah that's you know. why you said that sort of thing <laughs> yeah. and you know look for this and and it was fantastic. Wow. My brother, as I said, has asthma. That that didn't really. Uh, rear its ugly head but he also is very allergic to shellfish oh no! so that was that we had a few little incidences of that and he just happened to be a bit accident prone at the beginning of the trip so um, and people you know we we had a chap who we thought was having a heart attack and he actually left early because we just said we were about to go on a passage and I just said this is too frightening. I do not want to be arriving with a body yeah. bag. Yeah. <laughs> you know? oh so goodness. it turns out he did. It wasn't the case, but it could have been. And anyway, it, that was great. So that was one of my, my hats. Mm. And, and what I did with that too was I took everybody's blood pressure um, and pulse and all that sort of thing about once a week um, just to make sure everybody was was okay. Um, and it just sort of kept me thinking in, in about the it. mindset. Yes, exactly. Of that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then I was the, I, I, I think it's too glamorous to call myself a chef, but I was the cook, <laughs> <laughs> um, which was, I love, I love cooking anyway, as you know. You just blew me away uh, when we were sailing. The uh, lunch you made, John. <laughs> I just wanted to have it twice a week. <laughs> but that was cooked in the land kitchen. But still, right. I, I, even though I say it myself, I, I, I did a pretty good job because I like to, you know, I like every side of cooking. The challenge and, you know, there's always somebody who doesn't like this and doesn't like, you know, you of have course. to sort of adjust. Yeah. Um, and then provisioning is a nightmare and also spectacularly great fun because you get to go to all the, the markets in wherever you happen to be. Um, get the fresh, the freshest fresh food markets, yeah, yeah. fruit and vegetables. And you and... get to meet people through that. Wow. Um, just fabulous. Um, and then, you know, you're at sea and you're rolling around and there are six hungry or five hungry guys yeah. up there because I was the only female and you got to feed them. And, you know, they look forward in a way, especially when you're at sea, the, the cadence of mealtimes mm. is, or, or really the cadence of everything, you know, when everything happens is very important. And mealtimes had to be pretty precisely timed, which is not something I like to be, um, you know, anchored down to. So we had breakfast, we had, I prepared three meals, and then we, we added a fourth meal every day which was afternoon tea hmm. because I love tea um, and our skipper, Rob, our second skipper, he is English. Actually, both our skippers were, but he was really into afternoon tea. So four o'clock on the dot every single yes. day. And then it came about, again, my fault that there would be a cake or some cookies or something as well. So, <laughs> so none of a us biscuit. lost weight. Yeah, I was going to say, well, you're, you're probably expending a tremendous well, you amount are, of you're calories. Moving all the time, yeah, moving yeah. All the time. And that's an interesting thing in terms of since I've come back, um, I've had a lot of trouble with my knees and I realize it's because oh. for so long I was doing this. Wow. And now my poor little knees are hitting concrete and, you know, up oh, and down wow. stairs. And it's but anyway, you know, they're getting better. But I realized that that was just one of the, the fallouts. One of the re-entry realizations. Yes. <laughs> and I'm interested. At my advanced age. <laughs> we we, we, we want to ask you uh, how this changed you as a person, right? Because you left 
one one yeah. Sabine and came yeah. back another. Yeah, it's it's such a hard thing to answer that, but yeah, I mean, there's there's many things. I think it's almost cliched in a way, but I think the most for me personally, and I think my brother would probably mirror this, and we're very very close, but um, I think we come from a family of doers. We're very much doing people. Um, my father was a businessman, very successful businessman. Um, and I'm trying to not be a doer or to be less of a doer. You're coming um, from being a school principal and <laughs> per performing violist. So yeah, I'm just trying to, you know, sit down at mealtimes just sit right. in sit in the backyard and do nothing being more present yeah just you know and i you know i've always meditated so you know mm. i i try to pretend that i do that i used to pretend but i'm now really trying to do it yeah and just notice you know if there's a um outside my back door in my house i can always see the rising moon and so i just take a moment whereas before i'd be zipping off to a rehearsal and it would just be in the periphery now i'm just trying to really you know, just be, as you say, be more present. Just kind of appreciate the moment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, slow down. And, uh, and you know, that's probably an age thing as well. But on a boat, you do one thing at a time. Mm. You're just doing one thing. You're sailing the boat or you're relaxing and reading your book right. or you're cooking or you're whatever. Whereas at home... You know, you're answering the phone while you cook. Yeah. You're, you know, multitasking, multitasking which, which means doing 10 things badly. Badly, exactly, yeah. exactly. And I think that's what was so um, wholesome and just so yeah. um, kind of fills your bucket on a boat is that you're just doing one thing at a time. It's so lovely. I had many magical moments, as you can imagine. Um, some of them were seeing, you know, humpback whales well i should remind me to tell you that story but just wildlife <laughs> wow. wildlife associated things yeah. that are just so magical um you know magical village visits um just the magic of being with my brother for so long and having that connection and just the the, the feeling of sailing which is just so blissful but one of the my favorite moments was this one particular um night watch which, if I remember rightly, was between Panama and the Galapagos Islands, uh, Panama City and the Galapagos Islands. And, and I think it's interesting just to highlight a night watch is an, is something oh, yes. a lot of people don't realize. Everyone else on the crew can be sleeping. It can be just you and the ocean. Uh -huh. And I've heard stories about people seeing things where they actually had to wake up and be able to see. see there's luminescent dolphins. That's right. Yeah, so plenty of those. You know, wow. There are, Basically, yes. it's the phosphorescence lighting yeah. phosphorescence. up the, the dolphins, yeah. And anyway, I don't want to interrupt your story, no, no, but experiences right. when everyone else is sleeping. Uh -huh. yeah. just all, it's just you. For miles around, yeah. it's you and darkness. Yeah. And I mean, often there's the moon or the stars, but sure. sometimes there isn't, you know. But, but this particular night, it was, there was definitely a, a slim moon. It wasn't a, a full moon. And there were stars, so there was, there was light. And I would come on my night watch, check mm. with the person before, anything to report, et cetera, et cetera, check the blog, the log rather. And um, then I would do my yoga um, at that point. Um, and then I would 
you know, and my we, when you're doing yoga at night watch, you ha it, there's lots of stops because you have to check the instruments and you yeah. have to look around and all this. So I incorporated that into this whole yoga practice that I kind of developed, which mm. was, was, for me, was fabulous. But anyway, this particular night, um, I and sometimes I would listen to a book or sometimes I would listen to music, but I wasn't. And they, they, it's, it's discouraged. To, you don't want to put two things no, in because you, you have to hear, hear yeah. so you just put one thing in or you just you have it playing quietly in the background yeah. um, but anyway I didn't have anything on because it was just so magical and there was a, a moment and I couldn't tell you for how long where I just truly felt that I was part of this whole thing, that I, that I am nature, me and nature, there's no separation. It's just, we're just all intertwined together in this sort of swirling mess. It was just the most gorgeous feeling. A flow uh, state. Yeah, mm. flow state. And it's, uh, it's not often that one gets, the, I mean, I certainly, it may be the only time I've ever really felt like that. I mean, I know playing music sometimes I get into that, but that's not quite the same. It's this is with nature yeah. was just it was absolute. It was it was because it wasn't really till afterwards. It wasn't during it that I realized it was afterwards looking back. Oh, yeah. You know, it was just fabulous. It's, it's kind Wonderful. of what what you strive for was something like yes. meditation yeah. where you you lose yourself to the point where you really do feel connected to, to, to everything. It is yeah. sort of, you know, the oneness. And I know it sounds woo or hokey, yeah. but, but really that is who we used to be. You know, uh -huh. we used to be so attuned to nature, mm -hmm. to animals, to That's what true. was around us, to the sea that, um, you know, now it, it does take sometimes kind yeah. of a her Herculean journey to kind yeah. of get ourselves back, back to, to that. that. And that must be yes. such an amazing it is uh, feeling yeah. uh, to to really be sitting in the middle of an ocean, you know, maybe even somewhat awe, awe inspiring uh -huh. to be in the middle of that uh, and, and really that that kind of um, understanding yeah. or realization or Experience. feeling. Yeah, it was very lucky. I mean, I, I recognize in all of this how lucky I am because mm -hmm. it's not something that people can often do. Let me ask about your landing in remote villages how were you received by these people you had the power to go anywhere in the world you want and they maybe have th their whole life was a short radius yeah yeah well this is one of the positive sides of covid i think anyway <laughs> was that they hadn't seen people a lot of places we met hadn't seen people for years that's right so they were wow. just so happy to see us but they were also because it's not necessarily going to be welcoming. I yeah, know. no, no, I I know that I know, but um, the the route is a, is a, a, a the standard route because you're following the trade winds, uh, so you know otherwise it's not safe. Um, so um, I mean there are many choices within the route, mm. but so some of these places are used to yachts arriving. It's so interesting. Yeah. Mother Nature is taking you naturally yes, to some right. hot spots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I hadn't realized that. Yeah, absolutely. And Currents then you, and la you, you land a port and then um, can you just walk us through, like, because you interacted and actually played music, played uh -huh. Irish music uh, for yes. them. Yeah. And I mean, how do you engage them from zero to 
to uh, we're going to be friends and we're going to entertain you. <laughs> well, um, I suppose the best thing is let me give you an example of one place because it was one my favorite one, one of my favorites anyway. So we um, we have left Fiji and we're coming into this island archipelago called Vanuatu, which I had never heard of before, and you may not have ever heard of. It's it's very similar to Fiji, but much much poorer and, and smaller, fewer islands. Anyway, we arrived on the island of Tana, um, and the island of Tana is dominated by a massive live volcano called Yasur. So you're very aware, you can see all the smoke, and, oh, and wow. you know, that it's very aware of this volcano. Um, and anyway, we arrive in, in a, it's, I mean, there's no piers or anything. It's just a, a little yeah, do bay. So it's a bay. So you anchor. Oh. Um, so we anchor there. And we had heard that there was, um, oh, shoot, what is it called? The Tana Yacht Club. Is that what it was called? I can't remember now. I think it's called the Tana Yacht Club. And um, so it sounded very glamorous. Yeah. <laughs> so we go ashore. We, you know, motor ashore in our little dinghy. And... Um, kind of scurry up this this cliff and we had pre um uh, whatsapped the the commodore of this yacht club and we met him his name was sydney anyway we come up to this i mean shack is even too <laughs> glamorous <laughs> too generous yeah. Yeah. i mean it was literally a lean to with ripped flags everywhere and a, a sofa with a big hole in the middle. This I mean, is your St. Francis Yacht. <laughs> of, of, <laughs> of the island of Tana. Wow. But gorgeous, friendly welcome. And we had to, you know, the customs had to come and the next day they came and they have to check us into Vanuatu because that was the other kind of my poor brother had to, the paperwork that has, has to be done for each country ahead of time at the spot. Oh, it was really wow. obnoxious. Anyway. And uh, we got, well, got, it was relatively easy here. And um, we had a couple of things that we wanted to share with people. And we say to this chap, Sydney, you know, we have a number of things that we'd like to share, but, you know, we want to make sure that you want them or yeah. that it's okay. Um, because you have to be super careful not to be superior and not to be, right. you just have to be very, very gentle. Um, uh, sort of subtle about it so we we always tried to bring food and um, so we you know we had canned food you know and non-perishable kind of stuff and so he was delighted for that with that and uh, I mean we, we I didn't bring it the first time we, we talked and right, said yes right. food for yes absolutely clothing yes because you know, there's only so much space on a boat and everywhere you go, you buy something. Yeah. So that means you have to get rid of something, Exactly. <laughs> which is, you know, that's a first world problem. Um, but anyway, so we, but it was nice to have clothing to give people. Right. And you so, brought, you brought eyeglasses to people. And that was the other thing we brought, um, um, a whole, we, we joined this, this group called Sea Mercy Humanitarian Organization that gives you a kit and trains you on how to, um, um, how to test, you know, what, really? the, the level of glass that they need, the, the, the strength. It's just so interesting. And you mentioned to me that there was a woman who was a, a in this, seam, in this village of sorts. Yeah. And yeah. she was unable to weave, uh, thread her needle, thread her needle because she had, she had declined eyesight yeah. for years and years. Wow. Sabine we, 
hands her a pair of glasses and changes her life. Yeah, it was totally cool. That's uh, it was really, it was, yeah. and she doesn't read, so she doesn't. And there, all these are reading glasses. She, but she, but it, it did the the job for her. That was a pretty. Now talk about a magical mm. moment. That's another magical moment. Um, but um, anyway, so yes, we told him about the eyeglasses, and and we and we said also we love doing school visits. You know, we'd love to come play music to you and tell the kids about what we're doing and share some some of our culture and our background. And then hopefully, you know, you will share with us. Right. And so all of these were yeses in this particular case. Thanks for listening to part one of our conversation with Sabine. Keep your ears peeled for part two, where we go deep on her mission. Hear about some of her dicier moments and get some advice on how to get involved in a sailing journey of your own. Thanks for listening to the Midlife Mischief Club podcast. Please be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. You can find show notes, links to our socials, and see what else is cooking on our website at midlifemischiefclub.com.